You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on all the cool and exciting projects happening in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by one of my co-hosts. Paul is out this week. Um, He'll be back probably on the next episode. He's, you know, dealing with real life as we all do time to time. But uh, Tim is here with me. Uh, How's it going, Tim? Hey, what's up, Kyle? Doing good. Glad to be back recording a new episode and talking about some news that I didn't think we'd be talking about as far as Star Wars gaming is concerned. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, definitely. We've got uh, some gaming news. We've got also a few uh, or at least a couple unfortunate announcements. Um, So this will be kind of a bit of a a bad news, good news episode. But, you know, we'll get the bad news out of the way first. Um, Also, I mean, it's been a while since our last episode. Obviously, things have been a little crazy, uh, not just in our lives. Um, You know, obviously, Paul's got a new baby. I'm dealing with, you know, we just moved and I just started another job again and stuff. So, um, you know, we've all been kind of busy. But then also just the world has kind of been crazy right now with the pandemic still going on and the uh, all the marches and protests and uh, kind of social justice movements going on right now. Um, We're not really going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that on this episode, but um, if you're interested on hearing more of my thoughts on that, I did an episode of the Thunder Quack podcast with uh, Michael Cohen recently, um, and we talked more about like the Black Lives Matter movement and, uh, you know, just kind of some current events type stuff. but you know Which what? Which was Honestly, a really good discussion, I might add. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, I think we had a, a pretty good discourse about that. Um, and definitely, you know, recommend checking that out just if you're interested in hearing our takes on that. Um, but I got to say, it's also good to just be back talking Star Wars, you know, like you don't want to just bury your head in the sand and ignore the important stuff that's going on in the world. But it's also, uh, you know, good to just enjoy the stuff that we enjoy and, and kind of take a break from the craziness. So, uh, yeah, let's talk some Star Wars. Um, now, as I said, let's get the bad news out of the way first. Um, and we actually got a, a couple of unfortunate announcements. One is that the High Republic release dates um, for all the publishing stuff that was supposed to start this August, um, and that's all kind of been pushed back till next year. Um, so now uh, the first books, which is the, uh, the High Republic Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell and the middle grade novel, A Test of Courage, um, those will both be coming out January 5th, 2021. And then um, some of the other stuff has been moved back to uh, February and beyond that. So 
Um, I'm not sure why that got pushed back or, you know, I don't know if they just needed more time to work on it or maybe they've got something else coming later this year that they didn't want that to conflict with. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We're going to have to wait a little bit longer to, uh, dive into that new time period and get those stories. Um, not too much longer. I mean, that's what, five months. Um, so definitely still looking forward to reading that stuff, but we're just going to have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, I think you just chalk it up to the pandemic throwing everything off as far as yeah. probably work schedules and publishing, manufacturing, shipping, all that. I'm sure everything played a part in for it not to come out this year in July. Like, was it July or August? I thought it was July. It, I think it, I'm pretty August. sure it was August. Okay. Yeah, man, kind of crazy to think we'd only been two months away from that <laughs> to get the first novel out. But yeah, it's a bummer. I was looking forward to definitely reading that novel because... Honestly, that was probably the only new Star Wars novel I was planning on reading this year. I know there's some other ones, but ones that haven't really grabbed my interest where I have to get and read right away. Like the sequel to Alphabet Squadron and the next Thrawn book. I'm not sure if those have been delayed at all. But maybe those aren't coming out no, this I think either. The, but I, been... I think the Alphabet Squadron one is out already, or at least like the, the press review copies are, because I've seen people tweeting about it. Yeah, this is kind of, I guess, out of the loop I am for those novels, mm -hmm. but... Um, yeah, so definitely a bummer that we have to wait a, bit, a little bit longer. But then again, that seems to be the norm for a lot of stuff we've been looking forward to this year. We just have to be a little more patient. So definitely be getting it on day one in January and just have something to look forward to for Star Wars at the beginning of 2021. So yeah, I guess that's a positive way you can look at it. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, January 5th, that's three days before uh, my birthday as well as Paul's. We've got the same birthday, so um that'll be a nice birthday present for us at least um <laughs> put the it, word out there now right <laughs> yeah exactly and then the other unfortunate bit of news um i think we kind of all saw this one coming it was just kind of a matter of time but celebration anaheim yeah. has been canceled for this year um of course due to the pandemic and everything going on especially you know it makes sense that they kind of waited till later in the year to announce it just to kind of see how things were going to play out but obviously now that like stuff has started opening back up and now cases are going back up, especially like, you know, I live in Arizona, which, you know, we were the one of the first places to open back up. And now we're suddenly like one of the biggest hotspots in the country. So um, clearly this thing is not going away yet. And it's uh, probably for the best that they're not getting 40,000 Star Wars fans all packed into one building. Um, but at the same time, you know, still kind of disappointing for obviously a lot of people that were uh, – planning on doing that this year um although i guess you know for for you and i like we weren't able to get tickets right off the bat and so hopefully we'll be able to yeah. get it the next time around because now it's been it hasn't even been postponed for like later this year they've uh just put it off till 2022 um which i guess makes sense because as of right now as far as we know that's still when the next star wars movie is supposed to come out um even though we haven't heard anything about it yet but um you know of course if they're is a movie coming out that year, it would definitely make sense that they would want to have a celebration that year. Um, but there won't be anything between now and then. Um, and they haven't announced anything yet as far as whether they're going to do some sort of online replacement. Because I know like San Diego Comic-Con and some other big events that are getting canceled, um, you know, are doing digital alternatives. I mean, heck, even just today, like we're about to talk about with the gaming news, uh, EA Play had their virtual event where they still had some trailers and game announcements and stuff that they just live streamed. Um, and they could do the same thing with Celebration. I mean, obviously, we would have gotten some big Star Wars announcements there. 
Um, and I'm sure we'll still get some of those, whether it's kind of just more sprinkled throughout the year or whether they do some kind of virtual event or whatever. But, you know, they're probably going to have, uh, you know, obviously like a trailer for season two of The Mandalorian, maybe some announcements about some future movies or live action shows or animated shows that they've got in the works. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if if they kind of announce all that same stuff, like around the time that celebration would have happened, or if they kind of space it out more. Um, but we'll see. Should be interesting. Tomorrow, actually, as we're recording this, it's Thursday night, and tomorrow the final episode of Disney Gallery The Mandalorian will air. So who knows if we may get some kind of tease at season two uh when that airs. But um yeah, so I'm sure, you know, like I said. I'm sure this will be uh, some Star Wars announcements and stuff coming this year, but unfortunately that won't be a celebration and we'll have to wait another couple of years for that. And that's kind of what I'm really curious about as far as the announcements that we're going to be at this year's celebration, as far as when they're going to make them now, as you alluded to, is it going to be spread out over the course of the summer and the fall, or are they going to follow the mold that certain other companies are doing like uh, the virtual San Diego Comic-Con and DC's doing their DC fandom um, where they're going to have like their own virtual panels and have a bunch of guests talk about future movies and projects and comics and all that stuff. So I wonder if Star Wars, part of me thinks that if they were going to do that, they would have announced that in the press release of the cancellation of Celebration. And during that press release announced like a virtual panels and shows and all that type of stuff. So I'm kind of leaning towards that's not going to happen for this. And we'll just have to wait to get these announcements um, whenever uh, Lucasfilm officially decides to announce them and put out some trailers. So uh, I imagine it'll kind of be towards the end of summer, probably in August for a few of them when celebration was going to happen. And then maybe they'll wait for a few more during the fall. So we'll see. But I was surprised about uh, it being rescheduled till 2022, being a full two years after this one. And the big question, obviously, is, is that because that's when, I mean, technically right now, like you said, that's when the next Star Wars movie is going to come out. But I'm still of the mindset that I don't think that's going to happen. And having celebration that same year would lead you to believe that would be the case, as all the past celebrations in recent years have been, for the most part, ones that, well, we got Star Wars movies every year. So <laughs> it was pretty much a given no matter what. But that was just part of the hype of a celebration, getting ready for and a look inside the brand new movies for the year. And that wasn't going to be the case with this one. And we knew it was going to be a little different. So maybe it will be that way in 2022. But if it's not, part of me thinks that Celebration 22 could be where we get that full announcement of what the next Star Wars movie is going to be, whether it releases in 22 or not. But that could be where we get the big debut of the what the movie is going to be about, the title of it, or um, the names we've heard of. <laughs> with Taika Waititi, if he's going to be involved with it, or is it going to be the Kevin Feige project? Is it what both of them are working on? So maybe we'll just finally get all those answers to some of the stuff and announcement we got this year about future Star Wars movies and when Celebration 2022 hits. So it's going to be interesting. I know it feels like a long wait um, from now until 2022, but I remember back in 2013, I believe that was a Celebration Europe, and that's where they made the announcement for Celebration Anaheim. And it was 2015. I remember getting so excited and thinking, oh, man, it's going to be right in my own backyard, but it's so far away. And boy, did it go by quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 2015 just zoomed or celebration Anaheim, I should say, just kind of 
came up not out of nowhere, but sooner than I expected, just because of all the hype and all the stuff we were buzzing about for the Force Awakens during from 2013 to 2015. It just made it zoom by. So we'll see if that's the case uh, between 2020 and 2022. But yeah, even though we all saw it coming, still disappointing news to get this week about uh, there being no celebration this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, but again, like you said, you know, hopefully the time just flies until the next one. Um, and hopefully we're all able to be there for it and, uh, you know, get to enjoy whatever big new Star Wars stuff is coming out then. Yeah, um, hopefully we have better success in getting passes this time. And part of me thinks it might be harder, though, because if a lot of people who have tickets for this year are just going to transfer their tickets for the next one, that means there's going to be even less passes to get once they go on sale again. Yeah, so that's I guess true. it all just depends who's going to refund them or who's just going to transfer them. I mean, I think you're just going to have to be quick and jump on it. Cause I know for me, it wasn't even a matter of timing. It was more kind of a matter of money. Like, cause I remember looking at the tickets when they went on sale and like, I could have bought one. Um, but just, you know, for me personally, like money was kind of tight at the, at that point. And I was thinking like, oh, you know, I should go home and talk to my wife about it first, or I should wait till my next paycheck or whatever. And then like a couple hours later, they were sold out. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, and I know not everybody can get on within that first window either. So it is going to be kind of difficult, but it's not like they're all going to sell out within the first, you know, five or 10 minutes they're available. Um, but I think it's just going to be a matter of like, Hopefully, no. I don't know if they – well, they don't usually announce when they go on sale, right? It just kind of happens one day and they're like, oh, tickets for Celebration are on sale It's now. like a very short window. They like announce it the day before they oh, go okay. on sale. I think that's what it was with this one. It might have been like a day or two they made the announcements. This is when they go on sale and it kind of left everyone with not a lot of time to prepare or think about if they could be able to go and get tickets or not. Yeah, I don't remember um, if you know how far in advance that was or whatever, but um, – yeah, I don't know. I mean, hopefully it won't just be kind of sprung on us, but um, yeah, at least we know when it is. And, you know, I'm sure there'll kind of be some more rumblings and details about it and stuff as we get closer to that. Um, but you're right. I mean, I wonder how many people are just going to go ahead and transfer their tickets for the next one or, you know, are going to cancel because they're not sure, you know, what things are going to look like two years from now or whatever. So we'll see, but hopefully we're all able to make it. Um and, uh, you know, Star Wars Celebration is always a good time. Also, for even though, like we said, they haven't announced any sort of official uh, replacement event yet. Like, I know there have already been some rumblings online about different podcasters and fan communities and stuff trying to put something on and maybe do, you know, even if it's just like a, a sort of podcasting marathon or some sort of online virtual hangout. Like, I'm sure there'll be some kind of way for Star Wars fans to connect and hang out and have a cool Star Wars experience around that time. So uh, stay tuned for more details on that. Um, you know, I, I don't really know any concrete details or have any plans yet, but I'm sure we might be part of something like that if there is something going on. So that would be pretty fun to do. Yeah, for one thing for sure, Star Wars fans won't let this year's celebration be fully gone. <laughs> It'll be celebrated in some way, shape or form. Yeah, exactly. Of course, we're always celebrating Star Wars. That is true. You, you get on Twitter every day and it's either a Star Wars celebration or a Star Wars Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> One of the two or both. Hopefully more of the celebration in the future. <laughs> Civil Wars. But. Hopefully, but you know how Star Wars fans are. 
Well, we don't have a movie for two years, so that's always an indication that <laughs> there might be more celebration than civil wars than what arguments movies can bring about. Yeah, but that means that everybody's left, you know, squabbling over the last one for two years. That is also a good point. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we have the Mandalorian to fill that gap and everybody pretty much loves that. Yeah, and if what we've been hearing about season two is any indication, it should be, you know, Season one times 11. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's starting to sound like it, but we'll see. Um, all right, so that's the bad news. Celebration's canceled. The High Republic is postponed. Uh, the good news is we've got a new Star Wars video game to talk about. Um, and this was just officially announced a few days ago uh, with sort of like an announcement cinematic trailer for Star Wars Squadrons. And then today at the EA Play event, they showed a longer gameplay trailer um, that kind of goes more in depth about just what this game is. Um, and then I've got pulled up here uh, just the official website for the game, which has even some more details just about like different locations they'll be able to go to and stuff like that. But this is... Uh, basically just, uh, you know, as the name suggests, Star Wars Squadrons, it's a aerial combat game. Um, sort of, it seems kind of like in the vein of like the old X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and Rogue Squadron and stuff like that. Um, it's got a single player campaign set, uh, shortly after Return of the Jedi and it's the forces of the New Republic versus the remnants of the Empire. Uh, you get to play both sides in the campaign, take control of, you know, X-Wings, Y-Wings, A-Wings, TIE Fighters, all that good stuff. Um, and then a lot of it is going to be focused on just multiplayer space battles with your friends. And it's going to be um, they, they showed off a couple different game modes. There's one where it's just like a five on five dogfight mode. Um, they didn't really explain how it works in terms of like, is it just the first team to eliminate the other team wins? Because that seems like the matches would be kind of short if it's uh, just five on five. So I don't know. if yeah, you like how It was like it goes in rounds. Yeah, I don't know if there's rounds or if you have lives and you respawn or just if your ships have a lot of health. And so it takes a lot of hits to take down an enemy player. Um, they didn't really go into too many details there, but they did say, you know, there's this five on five dogfight mode. And then sort of the main, um, you know, sort of the, the what their sort of like headlining mode is, um, is actually, I well, I should have pulled it up because now I forgot the name of it. Um but it is, I think it's called like Fleet Battles or something. Yeah, it's called Fleet Battles. Um, and so you kind of like, you strategize with your team and then uh, you kind of go into like this multi-stage, like objective-based battle where it's like the first round is just a, a dogfight match. And then whoever wins that, then you're kind of like pushing towards the other team's fleet and you have to like make bombing runs on their frigates and try to take out like their escort ships. And then the final stage is to attack their capital ship. Um, so I don't know. It seems like it, it seems pretty fun. It seems like a cool concept. Um, I also have a couple things that are making me hesitant about this. First of all, it's been revealed. So it comes out October 2nd. Uh, the game is going to be $40. And so it's not a full price $60 game, which makes me sort of question the amount of content that's going to be in it. Um, along with the fact that, you know, we had heard a while ago, you know, we've we've talked about before on the podcast, all these different Star Wars games that have kind of come and gone um, and different studios under EA that we've heard have been working on like single player games or open world games or whatever that have ended up getting scrapped. And kind of the last thing we heard was that uh, there was I think it was the team that was working on like the big open world game. And then they kind of put that on the back burner for now because EA wanted 
a game. And this was sometime maybe either last year or back in like 2018. Um, EA had them shelve that because they wanted a Star Wars game that they could produce quicker and have out by the holiday season of 2020, which is this year. So, um, so knowing that this game has a smaller price tag and that it had a shorter development time and that this was their sort of crank out another Star Wars title game as opposed to this being, you know, a, a long developing sort of passion project um, kind of has me a little bit hesitant. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to be good. Like, it could just be that you know, with the the style of game that they're making and the scope of it and everything that they were able to get it done in those those couple of years. Um, and even so this is being made by EA's Motive Studio, who did the campaign for Battlefront 2. Um, and the guy who's like the head of Motive that they had on the EA stream, I mean, he seemed like a really passionate Star Wars fan. And they were showing, as he was talking about doing this game, they were showing like some old drawings of his that he had dug up from when he was a kid. Uh that he had drawn after playing like the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games in the 90s and stuff. So I'm not trying to knock this and say like, oh, they're going to rush out a piece of crap and that the people involved don't care about Star Wars because it seems like they obviously do. Um, and I really hope this is good. I'm just sort of hesitant to get my hopes up yet. Now, one other thing that does seem pretty cool is, you know, they showed in the gameplay. Uh, this, does, this does seem like a more sort of in-depth like flight simulator type game where you have more control mm -hmm. over your ship than you do say in like battlefront two. Um, and for me, I mean, that's kind of the gold standard that I'm comparing this to. I love starfighter assault in battlefront two. I mean, if you've listened to us talk battlefront before, you know, this, um, but I just think the space battles in that game are so much fun. And the, just the ship controls are great. The, the weapons and abilities and stuff that you have and that you can customize with your star cards and stuff. I think it's like just the right level of customization while also keeping it simple enough that you can kind of just dive in and have fun with it. But it's not so simple that it's just like too easy. Like it does require some level of skill. Um, but with this game, again, they, they kind of go all out with it and it's like you fine tune all the little details where you can like divert power from the engines to the forward shields and then you know or the rear shields or the weapons and you have all these kind of different systems that you have to manage while you're in flight um and so it seems like a cool idea but i don't know you know when we're playing that like is that gonna be is it gonna be too much to handle all at once is it gonna just feel like uh is it going to feel tedious? Like how much of a difference is it really going to feel like it's making, you know, in the, the dog fights that you're in. So I still kind of have some questions about it. I'm not trying to be, you know, pessimistic or say it's going to be bad. I mean, really, I just, I know I'm going to have to get my hands on this before I make a decision one way or another. Um, right now I'm not like super hyped about it. The other thing too, I mean, you talk about the amount of content and stuff. This is all, like all the all the content, all the battles, all the ships and stuff is all like in that uh, immediately post original trilogy era. Um, and as much as I love, you know, a good classic X-Wing versus TIE Fighter battle, you know, I also love playing Battlefront and flying around in ARC 170s and uh, Slave 1 and Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter and all that kind of stuff. So um, this does seem a little more small scale, a little more sort of limited in its scope, but it also seems... 
promising just in terms of like the the sort of more in-depth uh ship control and the gameplay and the ability to like customize your ships and your pilots and stuff like that so i'm hoping it'll be good i i'm definitely gonna buy it i mean obviously not only is it a star wars game but a star wars space combat game uh you know that's a day one purchase for me but i'm not i'm just sort of keeping my expectations in check uh, but Tim, how'd you feel about it? Just from the, the details that we've gotten and the footage we've seen so far. Yeah. First getting the announcement, it was a nice surprise to get, cause I was not expecting a new star Wars game this year and let alone being a flight simulator type game, because it's been a long time since we've had a full blown star Wars game that was flight combat based. And I think we were overdue for one, even though fighter squadron and, uh, I see them. What's the name of the no fighter squadron was the name of the first battlefront one. Yeah. In the second and one, it's uh, Starfighter Star Fighter Assault. Assault. Yeah. Okay. Those obviously were a lots of fun. You and me played tons of those, especially the first one, um, which is a lot of fun and filled the gap nicely between uh, Star Wars flight combat games. But having a full fledged one just centered all around space combat, I think it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm excited for that, but I totally get kind of your, uh, keeping your expectations in check feeling towards it right now, because I'm kind of going into that a little bit too, but I think I'm, I'm a little more excited about it um, than you are just because of, first of all, it looks great. The trailers, the visuals, the graphics on it look fantastic. And at the same time, when I was first got announced, it was, I was wondering, is it going to lean more towards arcade style flight uh, shooter type games, more like uh, the Rogue Squadron games, or is it going to be more of that simulation based, like the, x-wing versus tie fighter game which was the one i played a lot back in the back in 97 as a teenager i was so excited about that game mainly because it was the first time i can play as an imperial in any star wars games i know tie fighter came out before that but i never get a chance to play that so x-wing versus tie fighter was my first chance to play as an imperial and it was so much fun flying a tie fighter and <laughs> shooting down x-wings but just kind of and i'm glad that this game is going to be split to where you can be on the New Republic side and the remnants of the Empire. Though I am curious in the story mode, how they're saying it's going to be from both perspectives. Is it going to be where you in the it's just one story mode and certain missions you're the New Republic and certain missions you're the Empire, or are you going to choose your faction at the start and you, once you finish one, you can start a whole new campaign on the other side. So it kind of made it seem like to me that it's going to interchange between the two in just one single. St- player campaign so that's going to be interesting yeah i I believe you will um actually yeah even here on the website it says learn what it means to be a pilot in a thrilling star wars single player story seen from the alternating perspectives between the new republic and the empire oh there you go um yeah and i mean just from hearing some other comments about it they did make it seem like uh you play one story campaign and between missions like some you'll be playing as the new republic some you'll be playing as the empire so it's not like each one has its own campaign okay yeah and also, I'm I am glad there is a single player campaign because when it was first announced and I saw it was going to be forty dollars, I was thinking, oh, is this going to be kind of a multiplayer only type game? That's where the focus is going to be. So I am glad they are doing both. At the same time, I kind of agree with what you're saying how probably should keep our expectations in check as far as how long it's going to be, as far as a single player campaign, and how much content is going to be in the multiplayer as far as maps and modes. Because I think right now there's really only two modes for the multiplayer and if it's it's something that you know might sound disappointing at first when you think about only having two modes 
and maybe not a lengthy campaign. But if those modes are really fun and you get enough variety as far as customizing your ships, playing the different ships, maybe improving your rank and have just enough of different environments to keep it fresh. It could be something that I think could still keep you busy as long as it's fun. And I sent out a tweet when I saw the gameplay trailer today because it looked phenomenal. I think it looks really cool. Just the graphics and the environments of the different uh, space uh, maps that you're going to be flying on. They just look great. And it's a little thing, but I missed it where you could just, because it is only going to be first person based, which is another different thing about it from past uh, Star Wars flight games. Cause they usually give you the option where you want third person or first person. And sometimes I go back and forth as far as what I like better when I'm in an X wing, I can do first person. I love it. But in a TIE fighter, <laughs> that makes it a little more difficult with how their cockpits are designed. So and that might be something that might be taking a little bit of getting used to. But um, just how I'm curious if it's going to how it's going to balance, if maybe not even all of that simulation type flight combat game, maybe with a little mix of that action arcade style. Because I think a nice balance of that would be both. And as I was saying, as I was talking about the graphics, I kind of got sidetracked there. But one of the things that I think looks really cool just from a graphical standpoint is how you could look around in your cockpit. That just looks awesome. And I remember you can do that. That was a cool feature in Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader on the GameCube. And I just love using the right analog so I could just look in around the cockpit. It just really gave you that immersive feel like you're really in there. It was cool to see that on display with these obviously current next gen or not next gen, but current gen graphics um, looking better than ever and seeing your environments of your cockpit of a TIE fighter X-Wing looking really cool. Well, and one thing that they also said about that too. So the, uh, this game is going to be fully playable in VR and it's not going to be just like, um, like I think it was the first battlefront game where they had, they released like a free DLC thing where there was just like one, space battle mission that you could do as a, mm. like as a playable vr thing like on the playstation um and it's it's not like there's going to be playable vr missions where like the whole game is playable in vr um and when they were talking about that that's when they showed off like sort of that free look inside the cockpit so i don't know if you can only do that if you're looking around with a headset or if you can still do that with the the joystick on your controller um I hope you can. If they could do that on the GameCube back in yeah. 2001. Yeah, you would think so. Um, so, yeah, that would be pretty cool to see. And then also, um, oh, the game is also going to uh, fully feature uh, cross-platform play, too. That's so, great. Yeah, that, and th that's one thing that I'm excited for because I've got friends that you know I haven't been able to play Battlefront with because they've only got a PS4, but we can all play this together. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that is a really big feature. I mean, I was hoping to have cross-platform play when the very first Battlefront came out in 2004 because <laughs> I was like you. had I had, an X, I had both an Xbox and a PS2, but I knew a lot of people who only had one or the other. So I was like, oh, we can't play together. It's just something that always boggled me where like that can't be something that could be easily fixed where you could play <laughs> cross-platform no matter or play the game no matter what system you have. So I'm glad as we move further and further in this gaming generation and onto the next one that's becoming more of a feature now that games are implement implementing where it doesn't matter what system you have so that is a definitely a great feature yeah i mean and one thing one thing that was a little disappointing about that is because um that seemed to be like a big sort of staple of 
uh, EA's presentation in general, like pretty much every new game that they announced, they talked about having cross-platform play. And then um, they're talking about updating a lot of their older games with that. And like they're adding it to Apex Legends and um, I forget what else they showed off, but I know they talked about cross-platform play several times. And so I'm like, man, well, I would love it if they could add it to Battlefront 2 also, but since they've pretty much said like they're done updating that game and kind of moving on from that. And it seems like the main reason for that is just that, you know, they, they want sort of all hands on deck, making the next battlefield game for the next gen consoles. Um, but something else that kind of crossed my mind as I was watching this gameplay footage and stuff, I was like, this looks like similar enough to, I, I mean, it definitely looks different from, from Starfighter assault and battlefront. I mean, like you mentioned, it's, it's first person, um, like first person only different game modes, different ship controls, all that kind of stuff. But still you have to wonder, like, did they maybe shut down battlefront two just because they want people clamoring for a new star Wars game by the time this comes out. Um, and you know, so they're hoping more people will buy this. Whereas if they were still supporting battlefront with free updates, people might be content to just sit back and go, Oh yeah, that $40 game is not going to have that much content in it. I'm just going to keep playing battlefront. Um, of course, you know, with us, we would probably buy the new one anyways. And then if we didn't enjoy it, like, or it was short and we only played it for a couple of weeks, then just go back to playing Battlefront. But some people are going to pick one or the other. So I have to wonder if that was part of their motivation as well for, um, you know, deciding to not support that anymore. But um, that's, you know, it was, it's disappointing to see, like, as soon as they stop supporting Battlefront, now they're adding cross-platform play to, like, all their other uh mm-hmm. online titles and it's like man it would be awesome if they could uh you know just throw us one last bone to us battlefront <laughs> fans and uh you know throw that in there as well yeah well if not hopefully for battlefront 3 it wouldn't be an issue <laughs> yeah where it's cross-platform well yeah i mean it seems like at this point that's probably an, an inevitability all right at least that it would have cross-platform play as to whether or not we'll get a battlefront 3 um i mean i I hope we will. And I think we will, but we haven't heard anything about that yet. So that's still probably at least two or three years away. Yeah. And really what it comes down to as far as me really enjoying this game, because I think there's a lot of cool features. It's all there, but all it's all going to come down to the controls because that can make or break a flight combat game. And mm-hmm. I've, there's been some games, not star Wars ones, but other games that were flight based that I was looking forward to and the controls just weren't that great and it kind of ruined the game experience where i just wouldn't be able didn't want to play it or able to finish it so hopefully this isn't the case with this one and usually different flight games even with star wars they always have their different control schemes and gameplay mechanics that um could either be really good for you or ones that you just have to get used to or just not like at all so hopefully this one will be one that feels really comfortable right when you get your hands on it. There might be a little bit of a learning curve or some control uh, schemes that you have to get used to, but hopefully it'll be something that you can get used to quickly and just start enjoying it. And going back to more of the first person aspect and kind of what you were saying, how it is leaning, it looks like it's leaning more towards that flight simulation combat style of game for, for this one. And just one thing I've noticed on the trailer is how when you're in that, first person mode and it's totally realistic i like it but hopefully it's not something that becomes too difficult to do where you don't have like these crosshairs or targeting 
system on your screen that most Star Wars and other flight combat games do. This one's so realistic, you have to look inside your cockpit as far as your targeting computer goes to see if you got a lock on on your enemy ship. Hmm. Because there's nothing there in front of your cockpit that's going to be like a ship's going to enter your crosshairs. So you kind of have to be looking at your screen on the bottom of your cockpit to see if the target's in range. And just like you said, a lot of micromanaging you might have to do to get or to fully be good and be a ace pilot to take down your enemies that you're in a dogfight with. So I'm hoping it's something that's balanced good where it doesn't seem like you have to keeping one eye on your target computer and one eye on your screen and one other eye on your shield or hopefully it's something that doesn't get too overwhelming as far as no knowing what to do and you end up dying or crashing <laughs> without even knowing it. So I trust that it would be a good balance and that they don't they want to make it to where a lot of people can just jump in and experience it at the same time, make it challenging enough where it does feel like you really have to pay attention to certain elements of your cockpit but at the same time it's not weighing you down as far as being a distraction more than something that's just a new experience to play in a star wars flight combat game because it does look cool i do like that aspect of it where it just adds that realistic immersion of it where you're just looking out at your cockpit there's no crosshair targeting system there it's just you're just seeing space in your enemies and maybe some asteroids or if you're in a nebula some different color schemes there but you have to rely on your targeting computer if you really want to hit your enemy targets. And it's going to add that little layer of skill that I think could be pretty cool to it as well. So hopefully it's something that works really well. But I, that stood out to me a lot as while I was watching the trailer. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. That didn't even stand out to me at all. The fact that there's no crosshairs or anything. Just because I'm used – I guess I'm used to, like, just not seeing that in, like, gameplay trailers um i feel like they you know they show you what the gameplay will look like but they still t sometimes like take out just sort of some of those hud graphics and stuff um just to kind of make it look pretty and shiny and everything but um yeah that's a good point and that kind of goes back to what i was talking about earlier like just all that level of control that you have and and all those like you said like it's it's really immersive that you have to actually keep an eye on all the stuff inside your cockpit but is that actually going to make for a fun gaming experience exactly, or is it yeah. just going to be kind of a novelty thing that then kind of wears off and it's like okay yeah it's cool and it makes me feel like a real pilot but i'm getting my butt kicked and you know it's hard to manage so um i don't know we'll see and i def they the, even just from sort of their presentation they did make it seem like there'll be a bit of a difficulty curve um that you kind of learn as you play the campaign and they're like you know at first you just fly around you shoot enemies and then sort of like the more you play and the more experience you get then you kind of get a feel for like switching up the different controls and um you know fine-tuning the the power balance and the the where you're sending the power to the shields or whatever and um, just having that more fine control over your ship. So, um, yeah, but I'm, as I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, you know, the, the stuff that we've seen so far looks cool. Didn't completely blow me away. And I'm, I'm sort of tempering my expectations for the reasons that we talked about, but I'm also excited to play it. It looks fun. I'm always down to, uh, as Poe would say, jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. So, um, <laughs> looking forward to it. and i'm also like i said really looking forward to that cross-platform play um i know you know mike from the thunder quack network was already talking about you know getting like a thunder squadron together and just having a bunch of us podcasters and our listeners all be able to play together on all our different platforms so that's a nice ring to it <laughs> yeah that'll be really cool um 
you know, and whether it's something that we all love and continue to do for months and years to come, or whether it's just a novel little thing that we all do for a couple of weeks and then it kind of fizzles out, we'll see. But regardless, it's going to be fun to jump in there and all play together. Hopefully get to play with some of you guys. Um, so yeah, that's something to look forward to also. So that's coming out in October of this year. And October is going to be a big month. That's going to be kind of like November was last year, because November of 2019, we got uh, Jedi Fallen Order and the premiere of The Mandalorian and Disney Plus. And um, I feel like there might have been something else that happened that month, too. But I mean, those were obviously two huge Star Wars things that we got in the same month. And then um, so this year in October, we're getting Star Wars Squadrons, we're getting Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, and we're getting uh, Season 2 of The Mandalorian dropping in October of 2020. So that's going to be a really fun month, um, and Squadrons is just going to be one more layer on top of uh, you know a bunch of Star Wars goodness that's going to be coming out then. So um, yeah. yeah, definitely looking forward to that. A couple of other things that we didn't mention yet on Star Wars Squadrons that seem pretty cool. Um, the customization aspect of it, how not only you can customize your character for multiplayer, but certain things in your cockpit. Like they have that moment where you, there's like an Ewok bobblehead oh, yeah, yeah, inside yeah. the X-Wing cockpit. If you could do a little, they have a lot of different options for stuff like that. That could be really cool. I mean, once I saw that Ewok bobblehead, I right away I thought, oh, I would love a Death Trooper bobblehead in my TIE Fighter <laughs> <laughs> cockpit. That would be awesome. So that's cool. And then in the story mode too, where um, there were some cool appearances from Hera and Ray Sloan on the Imperial oh, side. Oh, that's Hera. true on the new Republic side. So that was cool to see. So I don't know not if only be the that, only... but there's also uh wedge pops up in there as well. That's right. Yeah. He was in the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. He yeah. I think wedge, brave. well, wedge and Hera were in the first one. Um, and then Hera actually had some dialogue lines in the, uh, the gameplay trailer. And I feel like there was someone else too, that I'm forgetting. Like you said, race loan is in there as well. Um, and I feel maybe I'm, uh, just misremembering, but I thought there was like one other known character that people were talking about that was in there too. But um, I want to say that was it, but now I'll feel dumb if we're forgetting <laughs> someone else that just not going to our heads. Because yeah, I, don't know. I mean, it wasn't anybody major, but um, yeah, I mean, it, and you know, it seems kind of like a, again, Motive Studio that's making this game made the Battlefront 2 campaign and they stuffed that one full of just about as many cameos as you could possibly fit into one Star Wars story. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's even more than that. Um, if maybe, in fact, it would make total sense if at least Leia made an appearance at some point, because she's still going to be involved with, you know, the new Republic forces and mm -hmm. stuff. Maybe we'll see Han, maybe we'll see Luke. Um, I wouldn't expect there to be, you know, missions like there were in Battlefront where Luke is off, you know, hunting Jedi artifacts and stuff, because this all seems very focused on like the conflict with the Empire and the space combat and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure there'll probably be one or two other uh, fun character cameos in there. Um, and we don't really know much about the actual story other than, again, takes place after Return of the Jedi and it's just the the New Republic fighting the Empire. Um, and again, based on the $40 price tag, I wouldn't expect a super lengthy campaign. Um, in fact, honestly, I'm expecting probably around the same length as the Battlefront 2 campaign, maybe even shorter, just because, again, yeah. it's just all space battles. So, um, I mean, it kind of depends on, like, how much story and, like, cutscenes and stuff there are, but, um, I wouldn't expect there to be, like, a ton of different missions. Um, 
but hopefully, I'm wondering it's, if hopefully you'll it's play a fun like, story with some good characters and stuff. I'm wondering if the missions will be where you're on, you do one map, you play, you play that map in the story mode from both the Imperial and the New Republic side, where instead of, because when you were talking about the story kind of intercutting or interacting between the New Republic and the Imperial, you can kind of think that, okay, one map or one level, you're the New Republic, the next level, the next map, you're the Empire. But what if you have to do complete both levels from the different perspectives of the Empire and the Rebels before you move on to the next one? So I'm wondering, because when they say that in the single player mode, you can think of different options of how it can play out. So now I'm thinking if that's going to be the case to kind of lengthen it as well to where you're playing every location or every map that's in the game from both the New Republic and Imperial perspective in the single player campaign. That would be interesting because that would definitely lengthen it. Um, and even on the website here, they have a section for the locations in the game. And for at least what they've got listed here, it looks like there's six different, uh, I don't know, maps or, or planets or whatever. Um, and the ones they've got listed here is Yavin Prime. So like the the gas giant Yavin, which, you know, the rebel base was just one of the moons of that. Um, so that'll be a pretty cool environment. Then uh, Esselus, which is interesting because in... Star Wars The Old Republic, the the online RPG, there's like a uh, like one of those group flashpoint missions um, where, you know, you, you team up with a group and kind of do like this long story based mission um, that's called the SLS. But it's like a it's the name of a ship. And it's like you're with this group of Republic soldiers and you're traveling on like the SLS is the name of the Republic transport ship mm. that you're on. And then it gets boarded by Imperials and stuff. But this looks like. Uh, SLS is either a planet or a space station, just based on the um, the graphic or the visual that they've got here. So I don't think there's any direct connection there, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, and then there's Nadiri Dockyards, uh, Sisubo, uh, Galatan, and the Xavian Abyss. Um, so a lot yeah, so of they're definitely going for new locations. Yeah, I was going to say these are all, I mean, aside from Yavin Prime, which I mean, at least we're familiar with the Yavin system in general. Um, all the rest of these seem to be new locations, and it seems like a pretty diverse uh, group of environments. I mean, you've got planetary atmospheres, you've got asteroid fields, you've got wreckage and debris fields, you've got uh, this like black hole looking thing that's shooting lightning out and stuff. So um, should at the very least make for some cool visual diversity and then. Uh, who knows how, you know, if any of those elements might actually play into the gameplay where you have to, you know, dodge lightning shooting out of this nebula and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if those are the only six uh, levels or, you know, the only six locations in the game, then that would make for a pretty short campaign if you're just playing through each of those ones. But I would also imagine those are probably also the multiplayer maps. And in the single player campaign, there may be, you know, one or two additional, you know, how every video game's got like that one location that's not a multiplayer map, but it's just like, you know, a smaller, like a space station or whatever, where you fight the final boss or something like that. So um, there may be more in the single player campaign, or there may be more stuff in the game that they're just not revealing yet. Um, but at the same time, like we said, just with the price and sort of the, what it seems like the overall scope of it is going to be six maps for the the multiplayer mode seems fairly reasonable so i wouldn't expect a whole lot more than yeah. that same that sounds about right for <laughs> what the price tag is so yeah yeah so again so there's and i think there's four different ships on each side so you've got like the x-wing the a-wing the y-wing 
and the U-Wing. No B-Wing, sadly. I was just going to say, yeah, right <laughs> off the bat, that's a disappointment right there. Yeah. No <laughs> and uh, with the Imperial side, you've got the TIE Fighter, the um, TIE Interceptor, the TIE Bomber, and the TIE Reaper, I believe it is. That's like the big one, right? Mm. Let me pull it up. It's one of the ones from Rogue One. Because um, the TIE Striker was the one in Rogue One that you saw on Scarif. Yeah, but the TIE Reaper is also... Yeah, it is the TIE Reaper. Um, It basically looks like the TIE Striker, but it's like the transport ship version of it. It's the one that all the uh, Death Troopers jump out of onto the beach. Mm. So there's like a squad of TIE Strikers that are like guarding the TIE Reaper that's got all the, the Death Troopers in it. So that's like the uh, the Imperial equivalent of the U-Wing, essentially. It's kind of like their big support ship. Um, and I think they did say that this is pretty much going to be like a standalone game. It's not going to be a live service game like Battlefront where they continue support for it for like two years and have a bunch of updates and stuff. But that's not to say that there couldn't be some form of DLC at some point. So maybe they could add like a B-Wing and a TIE Striker or a TIE Defender. Um, that would be cool to see. But so as of right now, there's just four ships on each side, uh, six maps. You've got, you know, ship customization with being able to sort of change the colors. And it kind of seems like it's got the equivalent of like Battlefront Star Cards where you can um, customize different abilities and different sort of attributes of your ship. Um and then uh, also, like you mentioned, some of those just little cosmetic items like having bobbleheads in your cockpit and stuff like that. So it seems like there's going to be a lot of fun customization options. Um, but, you know, just so you know, that's sort of the the scope of like the actual amount of content that's in the game. Um, so, yeah, again, I mean, as I said, didn't uh, didn't blow me away. I'm not on the edge of my seat with anticipation, but it looks fun. I'm always down for a new Star Wars gaming experience, especially one that lets you get in the cockpit of a ship. So uh, looking forward to playing this in October and hopefully it'll be a good time. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited for it. Like I said, wasn't expecting to get any Star Wars game this year and have it be some not only that I was expecting, but hopefully a game that can be up there with some of the other classic um, Star Wars flight combat games in the past, like X-Wing versus TIE Fighter or the Rogue Squadron games, or even the Starfighter games from the PS2 era. I, I did like that first game a lot. So hopefully it could be uh, among some of the classics like those ones are, because they're kind of building it as the definitive Star Wars flight combat game. You see that in a lot of the press releases and tweets and from EA and Star Wars saying that it is the definitive flight Star Wars combat games. So hopefully it lives up to that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I don't know that I'd trust that just based off of their marketing speak. And, you know, honestly, oh, for me, yeah. I mean, I, I know that there's been, you know, the X-Wing and TIE Fighter and Rogue Squadron and all this stuff. Right now, for me, Battlefront 2 is the definitive, uh, like, Star Wars space combat gaming experience. I love the space battles in Battlefront 2. That's the other thing that I'm kind of a little bit concerned about with this game as far as just, like, the scope of the battles because it's five-on-five dogfights, and I'm wondering, like, especially in the bigger, like, the fleet battle mode, are there more AI-controlled ships flying around in the background that you can take out? Because in Battlefront, you've got 20 versus 20, you know. uh, I believe it did say in the trailer, the gameplay trailer, that there would be AI um, well, they said that you can fight against uh, against your friends or against AI. 
Um, but I don't remember them saying like if there are other AI controlled mm-hmm. characters like in the like if you're playing against friends, if there's all you know, if you also have mm-hmm. AI ships in there as well. Um, I would hope so. They just didn't really go into too much detail on that. Um, but yeah, just going from, you know, 20 versus 20, you know, huge space battles to like five on five kind of squadron based dogfights. Um Again, you know, if anything, it's a different change of pace. So hopefully it'll be just a different gameplay experience um, and sort of different strategies and stuff. And that's one thing that I really am looking forward to is uh, playing with a group of friends and really having to strategize as a squadron. Like that is one thing that I think is going to be really fun because that's one thing that I kind of wish you could do more in Battlefront or one thing that I would like to do. And it kind of gets hard, uh, you know, even if I'm playing with you or Paul. Well, Paul never plays Starfighter Assault with us because he doesn't like flying for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> but you know, even when you get a bunch of friends on there, like those battles, you know, they're so big and it's, it's fun, but it's just kind of chaotic. And like, it's, it really is kind of hard to like stick together as a group and like formulate a strategy aside from just saying like, you know, okay, we're going to focus on hitting the objective or, I mean, you can sometimes try to like, you know, find your squad mates and like, uh, pick off enemies that are on their tail or something like that. Um, so it's definitely possible to like play well as a team. Um, but you can't, you know, it's hard to really get like a coordinated, like strategy as a squadron mm-hmm. and feel like you're really like this tight knit group. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to with this one. And and hopefully that'll be a lot of fun and we can all kind of get the mechanics down and really kind of get some, some, uh, squad strategy going and, uh, and win some battles. Yep. And hopefully it'll prove successful <laughs> where we win more than we lose. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's the goal. Um, but yeah, so looking forward to that in October. Um, not a whole lot else going on right now as far as Star Wars news. Um, but we did want to bring up some interesting rumors that have been going around on the Twitter webs uh, from a couple of guys, Corey and Noah, who uh, are involved with the Kessel Run Transmissions podcast. Um now, I mean, I'm kind of familiar with these guys just as like members of the Star Wars fandom in general. And like I've I've heard their names and seen some of their tweets and stuff before, but I don't know their sources. I am not going to like personally vouch for how reliable they are. So as always, when we talk about rumors, take this with a huge grain of salt. Huge grain of salt, because especially one of these rumors that they're talking about sort of came out of left field to me. Um, but they're talking about, uh, you know, they say they've got sources that have told them like basically what Lucasfilm animation is working on next and, uh, what the next animated star Wars series are going to be. Um, and they say they've got two in production right now. One is a rebel sequel series, which that one, you know, we've kind of speculated about before. And that seems kind of like a no brainer, uh, assuming that would be set, you know, after, uh, Return of the Jedi and would follow Ahsoka and Sabine going off to find Ezra. Um, and I assume that would be the main thrust of it. I'm sure it would also explore other stuff going on in the galaxy at that time. But that's kind of the big story that everybody wants to see is like what happened to Ezra and Thrawn um, and where do Sabine and Ahsoka have to go and what do they have to do to try to go find them and how does that whole story resolve? So it sounds like that's going to be one series that we're getting, but then they're also claiming that there's going to be another series that's kind of a spinoff of the Clone Wars that's going to be set pretty much immediately after Order 66, so during the early days of the Empire, that we will see Ahsoka and Rex again in this series and kind of explore what happened to them afterwards and uh, 
you know, what they did uh, or how they survived, like, immediately following the purge and, you know, how long they were together and then parting ways and stuff like that. But they're not going to be the main characters of the series. It's actually going to focus on the Bad Batch. Um, and that was really surprising to me. Now, it also, Tim, you and I kind of talked about this before we recorded. It does make sense that, you know, some people wondered, like, oh, why was the Bad Batch arc included in season seven of the Clone Wars when it didn't seem all that important? And Dave Filoni said, you know, he wanted like a Rex story and an Ahsoka story before you see them together in the Siege of Mandalore. And also the Bad Batch is something that like ever since we saw those story reels at Celebration Anaheim, they've kind of been like a, a cult favorite among the fans. Um, something that, you know, was like never fully produced and yet people still loved those characters. And so it always made sense to me, like, sure, there were other stories and other episodes that I would have loved to see too, but I didn't have a problem with them, including the Bad Batch arc. And it made sense that that would be one of the episodes that they included anyways. But now hearing this rumor, it's like, oh, well, that would make even more sense um mm -hmm. it, the, you know that almost acted sort of like as a backdoor pilot for this other show i also think one thing that i would that gets me really excited about this um because this isn't you know i'm not saying like oh yes this is exactly what i wanted but i'm also not going oh no who wants that i'm just thinking like oh you know that's an interesting possibility that i hadn't really thought of that wouldn't necessarily be like first on my list like if i had a wish list of potential star wars animated series that i would want to see um you know a, a spin-off bad bad series would certainly not be at the top of the list but one thing that i really would like to see if this is set like immediately after revenge of the sith is i think it would just be interesting to see through their eyes more of the big picture of like what happens to the clones yes. after order 66 mm -hmm. do they you know, when that chip goes off in their brain and makes them kill all the Jedi, are they now just sort of stuck in that sort of uh, controlled state where they're now, you know, just loyal to the Empire and, and they don't see, you know, they, they still see the Jedi as traitors or do any of them kind of snap back to their older selves and have regrets about what they did? Um, and even like with the Bad Batch, because they're off kind of being independent, like, do they like, are they going to go through with Order 66? And I would imagine that maybe the first episode of this series will be seeing Order 66 from their perspective. Um, or maybe, you know, again, maybe they're not even with a Jedi. Maybe they go on a mission and then just like in the middle of it, all the Separatist droids shut down and they're like, hey, what the heck's going on? And then they find out that all the Jedi are dead and like and maybe they didn't have chips or, or the order didn't affect them in the same way it did everybody else because they're uh you know they have these mutations and stuff yeah. and so i think it would be really interesting to see uh maybe the bad batch trying to navigate this post return of the J or post revenge of the sith timeline where all the other clones are now different and they're sort of like just these drones of the empire and the bad batch are the only like sort of clones left that still have their senses about them um that could be one way to go with it. Or like I said, it also could get really kind of heavy handed and just like really explore the trauma of the war. And we're seeing all these different clone troopers kind of come back to their senses and have remorse over killing the Jedi and all that kind of stuff. So those are kind of two different extremes. Um, and the story of it could lie somewhere in the middle, but there's a lot of interesting possibilities there. And so I think that's right now, just hearing these rumors, that's what's got me most excited is not necessarily more stories with the bad batch but just using them as a lens to see 
what life is like for clone troopers in general in the early days of the empire. Could not agree with you more <laughs> with why I, I am excited about the potential of this being a new Star Wars animated series. And right when I saw that and it was saying that the Bad Batch would be the focus of a new series, I just went, yes, the Bad Batch is awesome characters, I think, who could sustain their own series as we saw. And I'm kind of felt I don't want to say I'm alone in this, but I don't I think the Bad Batch arc is a little See, I don't know what the right word to use, but I guess a lot of people didn't take to them as much as I thought or as as far as new clone characters, because I thought they were great with their different personalities and their different traits and quirks that they have. But I think what you just you just hit the nail on the head. Well, I personally think just a bad, bad series would be cool focusing on them if it was still set in the Clone Wars. I think that could be really cool. But the main appeal of this series is going to be, again, if it's true, that it's going to take place after order 66 and revenge of the Sith, and just seeing how the clones are going to deal with the aftermath of this. Cause I imagine it's not, we're not just going to only see the bad batch and how they deal with it. But obviously there's reports in this rumor as far as Rex showing up in there too. So we'll see more of his reaction and dealing with the aftermath, but we're going to see more clones, I think. Um, and just how, like, like you mentioned is how they're going to be after order 66. And one character I'm really anxious to see, uh, again, is Commander Cody from what we saw of him in the Clone Wars and then just seeing him turn on Obi-Wan, obviously, in Revenge of the Sith. Is he someone who just kind of blindly follows the Empire now because once that uh, switch was flipped on their chips? And, or is he going to be a clone who kind of comes back to his senses and has regrets about what he did to Obi-Wan? So all that stuff could be fascinating. I think we can just get a lot of great stories dealing with that. And having it through the eyes of the Bad Batch, I think, is would be great because I'm under the impression that they either don't have their inhibitor chips or they somehow got uh, disabled or malfunctioned when they had their mutations and they're just not operative anymore. And so they could just be just be as puzzled as and surprised as some of the Jedi were once their clone troopers turned. And it's going to be interesting to see how they find out about it, because if that's the case and they don't get Sidious's transmission and they're not assigned to any Jedi because it seems like they operate a lot on their own. It's going to be curious to see how they find out about it and then what they decide to do and how they take action. Are they going to try to find some other Jedi survivors? That can maybe be a story point that's um, laid out through the course of the series and maybe try and find some other survivors of the Jedi or try to find some clones maybe who uh, or like them that the chip didn't work or um, there were some who were showing regret and remorse who don't want to work for the Empire and they're seeking them out. So there's different avenues I think they can go with that with the Bad Batch as your focus. And again, just going through the psyche and the mental aspect of the clones dealing with the aftermath of the war. And that's something we kind of touched on a little bit when we're talking about the end of Siege of Mandalore and the fact that we can get more of that with the clones and if Rex is involved and you got Echo there. Um, is now part of the Bad Batch. I think it can make for some really fascinating stories that we can get and just dealing with um, well, the clones are dealing with right immediately after. So I'm excited for it. I really, really hope it's true. And once we get that official announcement, I will be through the roof <laughs> as far as being excited and just cannot wait to see uh, when the series is going to premiere and getting our first look at it. And hopefully, I mean, this might be a lot to ask, but Hopefully it has the same 
look and feel and budget <laughs> as the final season of Clone Wars did because, man, it's going to kind of be hard if it is in that same animation style to take a step back from what we saw, just even in the Bad Batch arc with how amazing the animation was in that. So hopefully it can keep that going with these characters and it would still have that same amazing look and feel that that, that whole season, but in particular of that arc with the Bad Batch uh, continue on with their own series. So I don't know, I kind of have a feeling that if this does get officially announced and more Star Wars fans start to see it, I have a feeling it's going to get a lukewarm reaction. Like I said, I don't think everyone loved the Bad Batch arc. They just kind of thought it was fine. It was okay. It wasn't horrible or anything, but maybe a lot of people wouldn't expect it to be a series with these characters. And once they hear that, they might be disappointed that that is the direction they decided to go when there's a lot of different avenues, obviously, a Star Wars animated series can take. But I just think you got to look beyond that. It's just the Bad Batch as the main focus. There's just tons of great potential of stories you can tell set in that time period dealing with the aftermath of Order 66. So, yeah, count this as a rumor. I'm dying for it to be true. So hopefully, uh, I imagine if this is accurate, this would have been something we would have got announced at Star Wars Celebration this year. So hopefully this might be one of those announcements they make during the summer uh, in August or early September when uh, we would have had celebration. So here's hoping it's not too long until we get confirmation for this one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially if celebration's not happening now, hopefully they announce this even earlier. Um, and you're right. Unfortunately, I think if they, well, it depends on how they announce it because if they just announce, Hey, there's a bad batch spinoff series coming. I do think it is going to get kind of a lukewarm reception. I mean, like I said, even for me, I wasn't like, Oh no, not the bad batch. Like I enjoyed those episodes, but that would not be my first choice. Like of all the other stories they could tell and all the other avenues they could go for an animated series. So that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And I was like, eh, I mean, those are fun characters, but I don't know, you know, how necessarily how to feel about that right off the bat. But then, like I said, thinking more about the story possibilities and the way that you could use them to just explore some of these bigger issues with the clones and the empire and stuff, um, that stuff really gets me excited. And so if they just, like I said, if they just make an announcement and it's like new series coming, focusing on the bad batch, people might be like, meh. But if they show a trailer that really, you know, like you said, shows off some amazing visuals, shows not just the Bad Batch, but like Rex and Ahsoka um, and, you know, of course, some other returning characters, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, you know, and, and give people more of a chance to see what the series is really going to be like. I think it could get a pretty positive reaction. Um, and of course... You know, I and I don't know if Dave Filoni would be uh, running the show on this one like he did with uh, Clone Wars or if, you know, I'm sure he would be involved in some capacity, at least as an executive producer, um, especially if they've got two series sort of running concurrently. You know, he can't be doing all the day to day overseeing of both of them and The Mandalorian at the same time. So um Maybe he's going to be kind of in more of like an overhead, just kind of general overseeing uh, or heck, even kind of more of a role like George had in Clone Wars, where like mm. he comes up with the yeah. story ideas, gets his team together and says, OK, you guys go make it. And I'm just going to, you know, kind of make sure it lives up to, you know, the Guide quality along that the, the fans way are expecting. Thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm sure he's going to be involved in some capacity. And that, of course, is going to make me. uh you know, trust it and want to see it. 
Um, you know, and I, I trust anything that's got his guiding hand on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something else, even just as we're talking about, I'm, I'm wondering like if this is going to be sort of like as a, a successor to the clone wars or seen as kind of like a spinoff series to the clone wars, is it going to be a similar style to clone wars where even if the bad batch are the main characters, just as much as Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka were the main characters in the clone wars, are we still going to have like one-off story arcs that just kind of go all around the galaxy and and see all kinds of different characters because i think that would be really cool too Mm. to follow up with some characters that we knew from the clone wars and see how they're doing in this era i mean first of all you could take the boba fett and cad bane arc that everybody really wanted to see in the clone wars and you could easily have that take Mm. place a couple (laughs) of years later in the early days of the empire yeah um you know we could have stories about you know, see if there are any other Jedi that survived Order 66. I mean, we know there are some, but, you know, even if there are any uh, that were featured in Clone Wars, you know, maybe like Quinlan Voss, um, who I think in the the old Legends comics uh, survived Order 66, you know, we could uh, see something like that, um, you know, or, or some of the other, like even original um, characters from Clone Wars that survived till the end of the series, you know, you could just kind of see uh what's going on with them um and then you know that would be a way to get closure on certain story arcs and uh character arcs and stuff that we didn't get to have finished in you know just one final season of clone wars so um yeah a lot of interesting possibilities there yeah and i'm wondering too where you just think about the bad batch you obviously think of them together working as a unit but maybe that's how it'll start off and maybe there might be a point in the season where they kind of have to be split up or broken apart whether to kind of hide themselves from the empire and where certain episodes just follow one member of the bad batch uh, or maybe a couple episodes do. And then by the end of the season, they meet up and that could be a different way to kind of explore the different regions of the galaxy and how different, as you mentioned, maybe catch up with some familiar characters, see how they're dealing with the rise of the empire as, as a different members of the bad batch are kind of exploring different parts of the galaxy separately and then maybe come together uh, at the, towards the end of the season for whatever the main story thread for that whole year is and to come together and put uh, whatever the threat's going to be or whatever they're dealing with that they have to regroup and form the Bad Batch unit again. So that could be an avenue, different avenue they can take mm-hmm. where, because obviously I think the appeal is seeing them work together, but at the same time, I think you could maybe explore more if you kind of focus on them and you split them up maybe for a little bit, not the whole season, but maybe for a good portion of it, you're getting different looks and viewpoints uh, through the different characters eyes and how they view the galaxy. Well, and here's another question too. Like you talk about seeing them working together as a unit. What are they even going to be working towards or working against? You know, are they going to be trying? Cause I mean, they can't take down the Empire all by themselves, even though, you know, and we don't even know necessarily how are they going to perceive the Empire, because at this point, it's all still going to be clone troopers. You know, they're not going to immediately have an army of stormtroopers. And so that's another thing that I'm looking forward to kind of seeing is that transition, uh, you know, especially yeah. if the if the series runs several seasons, I'm sure we'll start to see like the phasing out of the clone troopers and the introduction of just sort of the conscripted stormtroopers. Um but, you know, what is what is sort of the main conflict of the show going to be? Is it going to be the Bad Batch trying to take on the Empire? Are they going to be 
serving the empire and like hunting down remaining jedi or putting out you know minor insurrections i always shocked like if they that. go that way <laughs> yeah and and i don't think they will but i mean heck, heck, maybe, maybe that'll be how it starts off maybe that'll be their first mission mm-hmm. and they decide to go rogue or something like that but or maybe they end up being mercenaries and we see them take different jobs and that's yeah. what the course of the series is but i don't know that doesn't seem as interesting to me as some other possibilities they can do with them but it could be maybe a short-term route that the Bad Batch goes as they try to find their place in the galaxy now that the war is over. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's another character we definitely got to check up on is Hondo. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I would be surprised if he doesn't show up at some point. Yeah, he could be the one that hires them as mercenaries. Um, and who knows? Maybe we'll even see more of Maul and Crimson Dawn at this point too. So, um. Yeah, who yeah, knows? Maybe what? they'll start their own rebel cell faction. Yeah. <laughs> they start it with them and then it grows and grows to something else. So yeah, lots of interesting possibilities there. Um, you know, I'm excited just thinking about all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is it really just gonna be like a bad badge spin-off series, or is it really just gonna be okay, let's take all the remaining characters and plot threads from the Clone Wars and just continue that on after uh Revenge of the Sith? So um I don't know. Well, actually, you know what? Now that makes sense too as to why that final uh that final shot of uh victory and death when you got all the the stormtroopers and probe droids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for the empire cuz even I remember watching that and thinking like I know they're going all out cuz it's the finale of Clone Wars. So like I'm not surprised that they've got all these new character models and stuff and at the same time just knowing uh, you know, the production budget and just from watching like behind the scenes stuff and they talk about like every time somebody comes up with a new character or a new location, they have to check like, okay, can we do this? And how much is it going to cost to build this specific model or produce this specific character? And so the fact that at the very end, I mean, you could have just had Vader and Stormtroopers to get the idea that it was the Empire or or just Vader and snowtroopers because they're on a snow-covered planet but the fact that there were like stormtroopers and snowtroopers and probe droids um you know again I took that as kind of just icing on the cake and oh they're going all out cuz you know it's the finale and and you know they're they're doing whatever they got to do but maybe those are some assets that they're going to be reusing for this new show um and, you know, so they were already making Imperial characters in Clone Wars style anyways. Um, so, yeah, lots of yeah. interesting possibilities. And, of course, we could see Vader again, too. I know, because one of the thoughts I had while watching that amazing final sequence was that, man, how cool would a new Star Wars TV animated series be looking like this mm-hmm. in the beginnings of the Empire? Now, again, it might have to be, if they are going to do that, it might have to be a few years after Order 66. And again, the series can jump around the timeline. They have a lot of room to play with. It could begin right after Order 66 and Revenge of the Sith and then make its way uh, down the timeline with the Empire. So to see Stormtroopers and Snowtroopers and all that and those beautiful models that we saw in that final sequence. Because, man, I would love to see a series with those models and, again, Vader looking like that. Jeez, it would be incredible. So... (laughs) Here's hoping that that is one of those things where they were, I guess, laying the groundwork for what's to come in future Star Wars animated series. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that, you know, being uh, at least a possibility. So, um, 
But yeah, it would make total sense if these rumors turn out to be true, which again, take it with a big grain of salt, but I don't know. It, it definitely seems, uh, I don't know, seems plausible. Um, and, and uh, you know, again, with these guys that are reporting on it, I don't know who their sources are or anything, but they seem absolutely confident like they're willing to, to stick their necks out and risk their credibility on this and it's not just like oh we've heard about this or uh you know we've heard rumors or whispers or whatever they're being like no this is happening guys like bet on it um so kind of take that as you will um you know we probably won't be talking about that a whole lot more until an official announcement does come at that at some point and then we'll see um you know, how much they reveal and how much of this is true and uh, and what kind of concrete details we actually get about this. But um, I'm excited. And it'll be interesting to see, like, which one comes first, because if they're working on this and a Rebel spinoff series or sequel series, you know, are we going to get them both around the same time? Um, I mean, it seems like at least Lucasfilm Animation, you know, I, they, I would imagine they probably have two separate teams working on both these shows at once, and then it would probably kind of alternate seasons at different times of the year, would be my guess. And this is something where, you know, they want to have more Star Wars content on Disney+. Plus. Um, and so you also have to wonder, like, is this going to be 22-episode seasons, or are they going to be, like, 12-episode seasons? Um you know, sort of how much content are they going to be producing and, and how long are these seasons going to be and how frequent is it going to be? But um, I don't know. I, I think it's probably, you know, a good bet that there might be like alternating um, seasons and series like that. Yeah. I mean, obviously you immediately think that these are going to be on Disney plus, but part of me thinks too, maybe one will be on Disney plus and maybe one they'd want to keep on the cable network. I just have some Star Wars content on there as well on Disney on Disney Channel or Disney XD. Could be. Could be. But if going on Disney Plus means you have more of a budget <laughs> to play around with, well, then hopefully that's what the Bad Batch is going. <laughs> so yeah. it can look like it did for Clone Wars Season 7. Yeah, definitely. In fact, yeah, that's actually... I hadn't really thought about that, but you might be onto something there. Yeah, like if they did the Clone Wars... Uh, series on disney plus and then did the rebel spinoff series on disney xd or disney channel or whatever just like rebels was on um that would make sense too but at the same time i mean it does seem like they're kind of putting all their eggs in the basket of disney plus right now and to be honest i mean especially now with like hbo max coming out like i think they really do need a big push of new content on disney plus mm -hmm. um i mean to be honest i haven't really watched anything on there lately except for uh the disney gallery mandalorian show and we're about to get the final episode of that tomorrow um and then you know of course mandalorian season two is coming out in october i think is falcon and the winter soldier still on track for like august as of right now i haven't heard back? of the delay okay but and maybe there might be because i think it's supposed to actually do a few more like remaining shooting that they had to do before it officially wraps so Maybe there might be a little bit of delay, but I'm pretty sure it's still coming out this year. Okay. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, point being, aside from Star Wars stuff, there's not really a whole lot on Disney Plus that's like a huge draw for people right now. Um, so if Unless you just want to revisit a lot of classic 
TV shows and movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and obviously they definitely have a big library. I'm not saying they have no content. I mean, they have a big library of, you know, Disney stuff, um, which is obviously great content. And I've I've watched some like Disney movies on there that I hadn't seen before. But I'm talking in terms of like original programming um, and new series that people are, you know, talking about and really excited to watch. It seems like they're a little short on that at the moment especially ever since clone wars ended so yeah um i definitely wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to have both series on there to really kind of bolster the roster on uh, disney plus yeah it would make sense if that's what they want to do to have both of them on there and definitely won't complain if they do <laughs> oh no of course not in fact i would prefer that to having too. to yeah. you know because i like we don't get cable because we just watch everything on disney plus and netflix um so if it's on Disney XD, then I'm going to have to like download the Disney XD app and then like watch it the next day or whatever, or just wait till the whole season's on. Well, heck, if it's a Rebels sequel series on, you know, about Ahsoka and Sabine, I'm not uh, I'm not going to wait for um, the whole season to be on Disney Plus after it's over. Um, I'm going to find some way to watch that. But yeah, it would be I'd rather have it just drop on Disney Plus every week. Same. But uh, yeah, like I said, that's pretty much all the info that's being um you know rumored or speculated about for now so we'll just have to wait and see how much of that comes to fruition um hopefully shouldn't be too much longer um i mean celebration would have just been about a couple months from right now so hopefully we'll get some announcements sooner than later um and uh of course we'll let you guys know when we find that stuff out and uh you know be back with I'm sure a longer episode to talk about more of the fine details and stuff once we actually get some announcements or get some some trailers or whatever to talk about. This was actually a pretty short one because we're just about done. Um, and also we had talked about on like a couple episodes ago, you know, talked about maybe doing some other kind of content this year, doing some uh, like some episode comment or some Clone Wars and Rebels episode commentaries and uh, maybe do some like ranking top five lists and stuff like that. Um, actually our friend Jeff Bochum, uh, he, you know, messages some of his suggestions and y'all make some Twitter polls and stuff. So you guys can chime in on that. Um, I will say I will, you know, Tim, I'll get together with you and Paul and we'll, we'll make a plan for this, but we definitely still need to do our, uh, our ranking episode of the entire star Wars saga. Um, and we also need to do a commentary episode for the entire Siege of Mandalore arc. So yes. those will probably be our next two episodes if there's no big news that comes out in between then. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll we'll get some other fun stuff going for you guys while the news is a little slow right now. But hopefully we get some big announcements coming sooner than later, too. And, of course, we'll do our usual thing with those. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, well, I guess before we wrap up, Tim, do we have any, uh, you know, listener uh, comments or tweets or anything that you wanted to read regarding uh, Star Wars Squadrons or any of that stuff that we talked about? Yeah, we got a few responses on Twitter regarding the reaction to Star Wars Squadrons. And first up was Hassan Scarborough at Fetmatic. He says, I've been a fan of the series since Rogue Squadron on N64, and now it's first our FPS. Wow. I cannot wait for this. What new system are you guys buying now? PS5 or Xbox Series X? Well, for me, I'm pretty sure it might be the same for you, Kyle. But, you know, we've been Xbox gamers. There's kind of our main system. So the first one I probably will get will be the Xbox Series X. Because I think it'll be quite a smooth transition from 
Xbox One to Xbox Series X as far as its backwards compatibility and having uh, the smart, I believe it's called smart play feature, where if you buy something on Xbox One and then it's coming out on Xbox One Series X, if you buy it on Xbox Ones and then later get an Xbox Series X system, you will automatically get the updated version uh-huh. of that game. So stuff like that sounds really cool. And But the PS5, when they had their reveal um, show last week, they had a lot of great games. Yeah. <laughs> they have a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. So eventually I'll be getting both. Um, but probably Xbox Series X first. And Xbox will pretty much always be my main gaming console as where I play third-party stuff like Battlefront and um, Squadrons when that comes out. So um, that will be the case for this one. Yeah, and that's probably going to be the same for me too. Um, you know, and with every console generation, you know, I kind of have to stop and think about it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always been an Xbox guy and, uh, it'll be interesting to see because now that cross play is becoming more and more of a thing, it, it feels like it kind of closes that gap. And the one thing that I feel like PlayStation really has going forward is those exclusive games. And I've always kind of had my eye on PlayStation, like, man, I really want to play like the Spider-Man game and the Uncharted series and MLB the show, (laughs) which apparently MLB the show in the next year or two is going to be coming to Xbox as well. So that's going to be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's it wasn't like officially confirmed, but they said basically they're like expanding their license to other consoles. And I think they said beginning in 2021, but I don't know if that means that like 2021 is when the first game is going to release for other consoles or when they can start developing for other consoles. I don't remember exactly like what the details of it were, but so um, we might actually get that on Xbox and we get a real baseball season. Yes. <laughs> um so yeah that's something i'm definitely looking forward to uh but yeah i mean playstation's got a lot of great games that you can't play on xbox but um obviously you know most of my friends are on xbox i mean that was ultimately the reason why i went with an xbox one over a ps4 is i just had um more friends on xbox that i could play with um and that was i mean the main reason i bought it was for the first battlefront game and i wanted you know i was thinking like who do i have the most people that i can play battlefront with online um and we've had some pretty good sized parties going on xbox at times and so that was a good choice Um, yeah definitely but then like you mentioned just the backwards compatibility and being able to play you know i mean all the other games i own are for xbox so that's going to be the first one i get i'm sure also even looking at just like comparing the specs um it looks like the xbox you know at least on paper like Mm. is is kicking the playstation's butt from a machine standpoint um i mean obviously they're both going to be super powerful and everything but i think the xbox has a slight edge there and has a bigger hard drive and and some other stuff like that but yeah um it is supposed to be the superior system but yeah so we'll see (laughs) but you know of course playstation had to make theirs look all fancy and then they got their uh you know, I, I think they're more going for aesthetic and exclusive games, whereas Xbox is just trying to be the powerhouse. Yeah, and I think also too trying to build up a bigger library with their backwards compatibility catalog. So hopefully that doesn't mean they don't have a lot of great new games, but to me, backwards compatibility is a, a huge feature when it comes to new consoles and an important one, I think. Just so you know that the games that you played on the old consoles don't go to waste right away and you yeah. can easily access them on a new system. That's what I'm waiting for. So this looks like to, I don't want to say fully, but the generation that 
finally has most of those old games available to play on a new one because i still don't think it's going to be everything but probably a lot of the main ones that you'd want to play again would be backwards compatible on the xbox and hopefully the ps5 will follow suit with that because there's a lot of great ps4 games that i would love to still have access to Uh on the ps5 but also uh, regarding star wars squadrons uh, paul stewart at mr peace do says i already pre-ordered it i'm looking forward to it especially as it has the same writer as battlefront 2 See, I wasn't aware of that also, that I guess uh, Mitch Dyer is writing the story for Star Wars Squadrons, uh-huh. just like uh, he did for Battlefront 2. It makes sense yeah. since Motive did that. So, and, and, um, and that's another reason why I'm like, eh, okay, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we, we said what we wanted to say on the Battlefront 2 story multiple times, <laughs> yeah. so no need to repeat that. I love that game. The story is not the main reason why. <laughs> yeah, fun missions, though, I will say, in that mm-hmm. campaign, just the story itself was, yeah, okay. <laughs> And then Jeff Fish Bachu Frick. I like what you did there, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> At Fish Frick says, the game itself looks really cool, but I'm not a giant uh, flight simulator type of person. I don't care for games that you have to fly a plane or ship. This seems like that's all there is to it. So I don't think I'll be paying full price for the game. Maybe when it's in the PS4 discount bin. And I know there's some other gamers who feel the same way. Heck, I think even... Paul might <laughs> echo those similar sentiments regarding it. Cause I know he wasn't too excited about this game. Yeah. Obviously, as you said, <laughs> doesn't really play fighter squadron at all. So it wouldn't be something that's high on his excitement list. I would imagine uh, like Jeff here as well. I'm sure there might be some other star Wars fans who are not hardcore gamers who have to play everything that might not pick this up right away. So um, we'll see. It's up to, EA to, I guess, really sell it for those who are on the fence as the next few months to have that gameplay really blow you away to see if you can get those who are not too excited about it to pick it up. But um, yeah, that's it for the responses we had on this one. So at least for the most part, there's some excitement going around for a new Star Wars flight simulator game, So, which is always a good thing to have excitement for new Star Wars content. And hopefully it delivers on that for everyone who is excited for it. Yeah, definitely. Um and again, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it should hopefully be a fun time, but I think it's just going to be one of those that uh, you know we'll see once we actually get the game in our mm-hmm. get the game in our hands. And I'm sure we'll probably see a little bit more like you know gameplay footage and stuff as we go along as we get closer to release. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for for chiming in with your thoughts. Um, glad to hear that you know some of you are excited about it like we are. Um, and, uh, you know, always love hearing from you guys about all this stuff we're talking about. So if you want to jump in and join the discussion with us, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars. The saga continues. You can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And you can check out our website at Star Wars TSC.com just for all our latest episodes and news stories that we're posting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course, be sure to check out thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Um, but that is going to do it for now. We will be back next time with uh, some more cool Star Wars stuff to talk about, hopefully, some more Paul. But that's going to do it for now. We'll see you guys next time, and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. <laughs>